This is the Business Central Manufacturing Show, and I am Martin Karlovich. So hi folks, today I'm with Robert Jolliffe from Canada. Robert is president and CEO of Sabre Limited. He has been an ERP consultant in the manufacturing space for over 25 years, starting immediately after graduating University of Toronto Engineering. In addition to deep knowledge of manufacturing, including teaching MRP at the supply chain program at Conestoga College in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada, Robert holds a Microsoft Systems Engineer designation and is much less of an expert in networking and IT infrastructure than he thinks, but is still pretty good. He also has applied his engineering skills to learning programming and is worn frequently by the professional developers who work for him that he's pretty good but don't write any code for customers without letting them check it. He is an avid collector of music, having over 700 albums, mostly CDs with about 100 vinyl albums and a movie buff. When asked his preference, Star Wars or Star Trek, he says no preference. He has seen both Wrath of Khan and Empire Strikes Back too many times to count, so how can you really choose? Robert's family, so his two uncles and his father, all owned and operated manufacturing businesses. He worked for two of the three of them in his youth, so you can say that manufacturing just is in his blood. Robert, this intro alone is exciting and lets me articulate a lot of questions in my head already. I'm thrilled that you are here. Welcome to the Business Central Manufacturing Show. Well, thank you, Martin. I really appreciate being here. So when I said that you have manufacturing in your blood, I sense a major dedication for manufacturing. On the other hand, I stated that you have no preference on Star Wars versus Star Trek. What happened that you built a preference for Business Central over other systems? <laughs> I, I think I mentioned this to you in the past a little bit because we've, we've obviously met many times, but I began my career right out of college, uh, university with my engineering degree, working for a company that had just acquired an ERP system. And I had worked for my uncle prior and discovered that I really enjoyed IT a little more than I enjoyed the manufacturing engineering on the shop floor. And I was a production engineer, so I did in a very small business. So I did a lot of different things. I did purchasing, I did inventory control, I did product design, testing, quality. I preferred the IT side of the business a little more than I did the actual hands-on manufacturing side. And when I got into this new business, this new company that hired me, they had just acquired an ERP system called Visual Manufacturing, which is now owned by Infor. And that's how I began my career, working with that business for about four years. And then, as we say in North America, I hung my own shingle. I, 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 I started my own business out of my home. And I consulted with, over the course of about 10 years, probably about 100 businesses that use the software. And there were a few things that always frustrated me about it. One was that the software was very difficult to make any modifications or changes to. Now, this is visual manufacturing software. I also found that it had a, a very rigid structure. It was very, very much designed to work in a very specific way. And it didn't have a horizontal flexibility. It wasn't a broad software package. It was, it was more restrictive as to what it could do and couldn't do. When I was approached by Microsoft to become a Dynamics partner, which was in the uh, 2010 period, I had uh, started with, uh, with Great Plains in 2008, 2009, Microsoft Dynamics GP. But it, really, we, we didn't grow the business and we didn't focus on it as much because GP wasn't well known as a manufacturing solution and it really didn't fit our business very well. But in 2012, I was introduced to 
Microsoft Dynamics NAV 2013. Uh, and that's when I started with, with NAV. So unlike some of my peers in the Business Central manufacturing sphere, I've only been working with the Business Central NAV product for about eight years, and some of them have been working with it for 30 years. So I'm the new kid on the block. When I first found out that the program was written in Pascal, which I'm very familiar with, and that it was essentially open source because Business Central, Navision, NAV, they, they're commercial open source applications. And the partners get full access to the source code and customers can, can request it and pay extra to have it themselves if they want. That was very exciting to me because the ability to look at a, a manufacturing facility and their requirements and identify small, really simple, lean improvements in the software that would make a big difference in their use of the software, but are not extremely complex or difficult to program. That is something that really excites me. That's what I really get excited about when I'm working with a company that's trying to implement an ERP or use an ERP, especially for the first time, which is my expertise. And being able to make those small customizations at a really, really reasonable cost for the customer compared to what I was used to. It was radical. It was it was life changing for me, and it it was the point where I realized, okay, this is the direction I'm going to dedicate for the next eight years plus is developing this set of skills. So, do you have any examples for these small changes that you did that make the big difference for your customers, and that then maybe also were life changing for your clients? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example. So, in most ERP systems, there's a module called MRP, Material Resource Planning, which is certainly in Business Central, it was in the Visual System, et cetera. A lot of the clients that I've worked with are new to ERP. They're very, very new. And MRP is usually considered one of the more advanced features of an ERP system. And I've worked with companies that have been using ERP for 10 years and still struggle to turn that system on and make it, make it work for them. And so, one of the things that my team and I have done is we've looked at the way people do their purchasing or do their inventory management or their MRP function, the material resource planning function in their business that they don't have a, an ERP. And they typically are doing it on spreadsheets and they have their workarounds that they understand that they're able to follow. And when you try and take and transform them to using an MRP system, they're incapable because it's just much more complicated and they're not used to that level of complexity. So what we've done is we've created some tools that are really similar to what a lot of businesses do with Excel as a bridge so that they can see the data presented to them in what I call a semi-automated way. MRP is designed to automate purchasing and automate production planning, but a lot of companies are just not ready for that. So we do it in a semi-automated way. So that before the system generates the data, they actually get to go in and, and see how the system would have generated the data. We call it the material planning page. And this is something that we delivered to probably, I'd say about six to seven of our, of our clients who are those small up and coming new users of ERP. And we show that to them first so that they get that understanding of how the system is really looking at all the data. And it summarizes it in a very easy to understand way. And it's simple. It's, it's not a very complicated customization. And at, at this point, we're going to be putting it on App Source along with some of our other ideas. So that's, that's an example of very simple modification, if you will, to the system. 
So the idea is to demystify MRP by making it a little bit less automatic and a little bit more manual so that people can understand this. Is this correct? Yeah, essentially. And MRP is a complicated concept. It takes a lot of understanding because the system is performing a very large number of mathematical calculations behind the scenes where you can't see it. And what you as an end user see is you see the end result of those mathematical calculations. And if you don't understand how the inputs were used to achieve the results, then you will either per perhaps set the inputs up incorrectly and now end up with results that you wouldn't have wanted if you'd done it by hand, or you, will, you, you won't trust the system and so you'll stop using it. And what we're trying to do is exactly that, demystify MRP. What MRP really is, is it's trying to predict when you're going to use materials based on the dates that you have in your system for your demand and your supply. And the demand would be things like a customer sales order or the material required on a production order or shipments that need to go into a warehouse if you have two warehouses and you ship between the two of them. And it takes a few days for the materials to go from one to the next. These are all sources of demand. And then supply is inbound production orders that haven't been received yet, but are producing a product or their purchase orders that you expect to receive. We just present all of that in a very easy to see screen. It's not as if it's something completely unique that never was being seen before. This is uh, even in standard business central, there are a couple of different views of inventory availability that look similar. But what we've done is we've tried to inc include in that view some extra features like the ability for the person to select a spot in their inventory date range, so it's very calendar-driven, and say, I want to place a purchase order here. And then that would automatically update their inventory availability. They would see each day how many they will have on, on hand of that material without the purchase order, and they would see that they would have a negative number on one day, and they would say, oh, okay, I'll create a, create a purchase order three days earlier than that for 100 pieces or whatever quantity is required. And then they would see on the screen that, okay, now I've, I've resolved my shortage and they can go on to the next item that has a shortage. So it's just, MRP does that automatically. MRP runs through and, and creates those purchase orders for you dynamically. But when you're a small business and you have a part-time buyer who is keeping up in an Excel sheet, the time to set up MRP could be more costly to your business than just presenting a simple view like that, that the person can, can go through step-by-step step and or automatically, but semi-automatically create their, their supply orders. Most of our customers tend to be small, medium enterprise manufacturers. So in North American terms, probably 90% of manufacturing falls into the category of SMB manufacturers, maybe 80% where they have less than 100 employees. There are thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of manufacturers that have between 20 and 100 employees. Many of those companies, the people in the, in the production environment, the buyers and the production planners, they work their way up from the shop floor. If you go to much larger enterprises, you're gonna find quite often that they'll have a production planning department with several staff members who went to college who took material planning or, or logistics as university courses and their professional experience and professional training may include working with SAP or Oracle or Microsoft Dynamics AX or some of the larger products because they have a lot of that experience. But in that SMB space with the, the smaller businesses, quite often the staff are self-taught and they're very smart 
but they've never had that formal experience with an MRP system. And that's the bridge we're trying to close. We're trying to help those businesses that are growing and they're going to need that expertise and capability in the future, but they're not ready for it today. So we just want to give them that path to being able to do that sort of thing. So if I got this right, then you typically serve those small and medium manufacturers where people are, let's say, more hands-on. Plus, you said earlier that most of the clients that you work with are new to ERP. So this is not that you bring them over from Info, Visual, ERP or from any, any other system, but they are new to ERP. So my experience is that all those type of customers, they see themselves as unique which is true on the one hand, but on the other hand, structurally, they have a lot of similar processes and hence similar challenges. So when you think at your average customers, what are the typical challenges that they want to address with an ERP system? And what is your recommendation how they should solve it? Well, I think that most of the time when companies are looking at an ERP system, it has something to do with inventory control and supply chain. Right. I, I would say 80% of the time. The other 20%, it's usually got something to do with job costing and production control. So if you look at the ones where it's inventory control or supply chain of some type, there are a variety of different problems that they're having. One might be that their product mix has become more complicated for some reason. For instance, they've onboarded new customers. And the supply chain problem is the shipping and production and meeting their delivery schedules. That's where their big problem is happening. And they're having troubles making, you know, the parts on time for their customers because the, the variety of components they have to keep them in stock or the number of production orders they have to create has just grown dramatically because of something like a new customer that's come on board with a lot of new products. Another possibility is their volume has increased dramatically and where they used to be able to afford to keep enough inventory, now to keep the inventory levels as high as they used to from a safety stock point of view is just uh, economically unfeasible. And so they need to find some way of having more just-in-time inventory, making sure that they have inventory when they need it. One of the third reasons that I see is, is job costing, which is that they are unsure whether they're actually even making money with some of the products they're selling. And so they need to start keep keeping track of, of what it really costs them to produce their products. So that you, you've either in the first two cases where you have the inventory control issue, you're typically finding that when I walk in, they're having, they have to double and triple tech every time they're doing a, um, like a purchase or they have other users constantly checking to make sure that the purchasing department hasn't made a mistake and forgotten to order materials. So the production team is actually double checking on with the purchasing team to see what's, you know, to make sure that everything is, is aligned. And, and these sorts of things happen. This kind of double checking and extra work occurs because the business has grown big enough and there's no, there's no reporting. There's no checks and balances. There's no system in place for them to be able to run a report, for instance, to show a shortage. The only way for them to check that is to physically go look. And so you mentioned something about converting customers from other ERPs like visual ERP. And we have had many customers who go from an ERP like visual ERP to, to Business Central. One of the challenges we see with them is that their implementation was never done correct. And so despite the fact that they've had an ERP now for a few years, they actually don't know how to use it properly. And they've never used it properly. And so that's another kind of situation where it's still an SMB business, but the original implementation was 
taken down a path that also didn't satisfy their requirements. So even though they had an ERP, they still were having inventory problems and they were still having issues with people having to manually do double checks of, of systems and data. I guess what, what we're finding is that's the most common problem that customers have. But when they are very new to ERP and they really don't have a lot of experience with it, they think the solution has to be complicated. And they there's a there's a uh, turn of phrase in English called uh, a secret sauce. And it, it generally means that when you say there's a secret sauce or people think there's a secret sauce, it means that they think there's something that they don't know that if it were revealed to them would explain everything, that, there, that there's some kind of hidden truth that they just haven't been exposed to yet. And what I find is that these smaller businesses, once we've worked with them to implement the ERP, they often feel like we're missing something, like there's some extra complexity that they need to have because it can't be that easy. But ERP is actually quite easy when you get down to it. it like you said, there's a very common set of requirements that virtually every manufacturer needs. And if they were to activate and turn and, and use those common requirements, they would get at least 80% of the benefit of having an ERP right away. And, you know, I know you asked me before the podcast began, what would I recommend to any small business that's starting, you know, down the path of getting an ERP? And my first recommendation would be don't overthink it. Use what's out of the box from the system and don't try and rethink or redesign features that are already present. Just use them as they are, unless your consultants tell you that you shouldn't be doing that. So the secret sauce is simplicity? Is this a fair summary? There isn't a secret sauce. The idea that there is a secret sauce, I think, is what people miss. They think that there's some complexity that must be there that they that they're not seeing when they when they're trained on the system. We have customers who are fully trained end to end. They know every module and they still think that we must have missed something. We must have left something out of the training because this can't be that simple. And realistically that that's the biggest problem we have right. So when I look at two big challenges that you described that you solve, like inventory control and supply chain, then to me, it sounds as if these are problems that come because your clients are growing and they now need to have new tools in place to cope with the requirements of their growth. And to me, this sounds as if this would be urgent requirements. And on the other hand, when I think of ERP systems, then I have long implementation phases still in my mind. So what do you do? Um, because I, I can imagine that if they have an urgent problem, they want to have it solved it now. And if the answer is ERP, so how can you deliver the need for speed that these guys have? So I think most companies, when we first walk in, they're meta-stable, which means that they've They've identified workarounds that at the moment work for their business, but they, they're unstable. There's a possibility of, you know, if, if, if they had a really significant increase in growth, then, then they would, they'd have to either hire a lot more people to assist with that, which is very expensive and much more expensive than an ERP, or they would have to reduce their delivery performance, maybe lose a little bit of business. And, And quite often when I walk into a business that's been looking for an ERP for a long time, they've also stopped growing. So they reached a certain size, let's say they reached $10 million in revenue, and then they, they've been at about $10 million in, in revenue and growing maybe with the cost of living, but not 
not any faster than that for the last few years. When we are able to, and, and we're able to do an implementation of Business Central, usually about six months is a good number for a customer. It could be seven or eight months. It could be, we've had some customers try and go live in about four months, but they're typically unprepared. They need to prepare a little bit more than they think. And it's better if they give that, that extra month or two to practice a bit with the system. But because they've found this meta stability, because they figured out how to deal with the current situation, they're able to implement the ERP in parallel with doing their regular work. And what we're trying to help them understand while we're doing it also is that all of the extra checks and balances and double checking and or many of the things that they do that are extra to accommodate the fact that the system is so difficult to work with before the ERP, many of those are going to be removed from their, their requirements once they go live. So they won't need to do as many double checking and, and triple checks and have people look at each other's work as, as often as they they would currently. And they have a lot of difficulty understanding that. Quite often, they think that the staff are resistant to ERP. This is one of the resistances of ERP, I think, in, especially in the small, medium enterprise, is they think that they have to keep doing what they do now and use the ERP on top of it. And what they don't understand is that what they're doing now is what they're doing because they don't have an ERP. And the ERP will make things easier. So there's a lot of change management. I would say probably 30 to 50% of our job is managing that change management so that the users have that comfort that, okay, I'm going to be able to do my job because I won't have as much to do. And, you know, it, it can be very hard. There are companies that just really can't see that. So change management actually was a nice keyword because it gives me the opportunity to manage the change of the course of this conversation but also refer to a change that you spoke about when we literally warmed up for the show. Because at that point of time, you stated that you see our global industry change and you called it that we are heading with COVID-19 and everything that is happening right now, that we are heading into industrial revolution number four. And your assumption is that this industrial revolution number four actually might lead to the return of cottage industries. Could you explain this to me, please? One of the concepts in Lean is to keep your supply chain short, to make sure that your supply chain is close to you. This is something Toyota tries to do very, very much to try and keep their suppliers within 200 kilometers. This is something that through the last 10 or 15 years has changed quite dramatically because a lot of people have lengthened their supply chain. They've decided, okay, I'm going to get my supply from China, India, Mexico, Eastern Europe, different low-cost manufacturing hubs. Of course, there's a cost to have your supply chain longer. The longer your supply chain is, the more it costs to do so. And what they're doing is they're doing an analysis of the cost of labor at the location that the end of the supply chain is at compared to the cost of transportation and logistics control and order volume, because I must order more in order to make it uh, economically feasible. Like if I order one part at a time, it's too expensive. And so our supply chains have got longer and longer and longer. At the same time, the technology for manufacturing has become more and more automated. And so it's now possible for businesses to do additive manufacturing through 3D printing of metal parts that essentially an engineering designer could design, program the machine for and leave it for a few hours and come back. And now a metal part is being fabricated that would satisfy the needs of aerospace or medical requirements, etc. There's a company in the United States right now, I believe, that is 3D printing rockets, the entire rocket. 
So if you think about it, a rocket engine is by far the most complex and risky of the aerospace components that you can make because it is going to explode. It's, it's under enormous pressure and they blow up from time to time and they are 3D printing them. So when, when we now have the capability of having a fairly small machine that's come down in price that can produce metal parts and it can produce it pretty much anywhere. You could put it in your garage or in your, in your living room if you wanted to, and it can produce those parts. That opens the door for very small entrepreneurs to start using 3D printing and other similar technologies to produce parts in small volumes. And you could have, especially with COVID, you could have a situation where people are given 3D printers to go home with. The business says, here, go home. Here's two 3D printers. You go home, you make 20 parts a day and ship them to the office, deliver them once a week or whatever. And then, uh, you know, and, and you could literally have this distributed manufacturing where a lot of people start essentially manufacturing again, which is how it was before the first industrial revolution manufacturing in cottage industries where there's only a few people working in that business. Maybe it's 20 people work in the business, maybe 50 people work in the business. This is now the technology to do that is becoming available. The supply chain with COVID, I think, is going to have to change because we're going to have to, businesses are going to recognize that there's too much risk in having a supply chain that's spread over, you know, 10,000 kilometers to get product from point A to point B. It's, it's just too risky with the pandemic and with future climate change problems. And, and, and I, I see a situation where it's entirely possible that the technology allows businesses to diversify or allows work to diversify. And we're going to have a, you know, there, there, there are people talking about future economy where, you know, there will be unemployment because of this automation, but it's also possible that there'll be entrepreneurship because of it. And I think looking that way into the future is very appealing to me and interesting to me, very challenging to me. So I agree with the observations that you had, but I also agree that it is hard to think through all the complexities. But I suggest that this is something that we could start with now. And with this, I think we come to the end of this session here. So, Robert, this was very, very insightful. We came across a lot of aspects and also started not only to look at what's happening right now with hands-on Business Central ERP project, but we started to build kind of perspective on what is going to happen tomorrow and after tomorrow. And for me, this was very, very insightful and inspiring. And thank you very much for sharing this with me. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Martin. Thank you very much. This is really interesting. Uh, and hopefully you invite me back again because I, I really enjoyed this. I will do, for sure. Thank you for listening to the Business Central Manufacturing Show. 